1: Welcome back to the French rugby podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international Johnny Beattie, and former France Hooker Benjamin Kayser. Another dramatic weekend in the top fourteen, which we'll have a bit of a chat about later on, but we'll mainly focus on the next step in France's Six Nations Grand Slam quest in Cardiff this weekend. We'll get a Welsh view on the game from a man who's played in France and should have a few stories to share with us as well. And we're coming off the back
2: of a fallow week in the Six Nations. So quite a week, Benji? Uh quite a week weekend because no, no, no rugby at the weekend, even though you guys never ask about Tom Majors and I'm quite happy because the results <laughs> are <is> terrible. <laughs> Go on. Oh, man, we're terrible. We're terrible. Great bunch of lads, but we're missing a couple of injuries. It's injuries, mate. It's injuries in the ref.
3: Yeah, they're well coached. That's what I've heard.
2: They're extraordinarily coached, obviously. <laughs> uh, fantastic spirits. At least everybody's got a smile on their faces and, and they're having fun. That's the, the, the main thing. But no relegation this year actually suits us pretty well because we are not doing great on, on, on the table. But no, no, just um, excited about the weekend, excited about the last two weeks.
3: How about you, Johnny? I was up in Paris last night for the classical for uh, Stade Francais against Toulouse. Um, but it was quite nice just to have one game of rugby. But no, looking forward to this weekend, getting it back. I'll be over, I'm doing the 20s actually, over in Treviso, which again might be a, a wooden spoon decider, as might the main, game, main event on Saturday. So... No, I had a good weekend, um, quiet Friday, Saturday with Jen and the kids, which was actually really nice to have a little break in the fallout week away from the Six Nations, but also looking forward to getting it back and back on the road this weekend.
1: Let's talk about Cardiff then,
3: not Scotland, Johnny. Who's interested in that? <laughs>
1: um, Gregor Townsend might have ignored you. Do you think Wayne pivac has been listening and Dan Bigger is he the kind of fly-off that we might see employing your game plan?
3: Um, well, the roof is definitely open. And I think when you look at the skill set of Dan Bigger, how good he is with his kicking game, you look at Liam Williams, you look at how talented they are in the air, you think they're going to have to go down that road and test France where they haven't really been tested yet. A little bit of Murrayfield and they got a little bit changed the Scots, but um, you've got to think people are going to look at the couple of times Melvin Jaminé wobbled a little bit, the contest in there, and you'd think again, if Villiers comes back in or if it's more Fana, they're going to get tested as well. So, I think it will be difficult for Wales. We touched on it last week, Benji, with the lack of personnel and injuries, a few people coming back in with Faletau. But I think tactically, I think they'll do what no other side has done so far um, and bombard them in the air. They might not. They might not listen to me again. Um, it doesn't matter. But look, there are loads of different other parts of the game. They're going to have to be at their best if they're going to beat this French side um, because France have been utterly dominant in the other sections too.
2: I hear your point, And I think you're right that this going to be a strategic battle in terms of using Liam Williams or what he's the best in the world at. Dan Bigger, probably the self, the, the only guy who can kick a high ball and go contest it for, on his own. Okay. But, but what I told you guys last week is that that game did not work against England. It definitely didn't. They're not South Africa. They're not England, potentially. They can't just rely on the kicking game. And I think, I think they saw it. If there's, I don't think they care about France a lot. I think they care about themselves and they're going to focus. Because on their game, if you know what I mean, they're going to look at their six nations. And mm-hmm. if they're going to learn from the last England-Wales game, where for the first 20, they did fuck all. And when nothing happens, they were just dominated by England. And actually, when they made a mess of the game in the second half, that's when England were all over the shop. And that's where we got back to the, you know, the good old days of of, of, of Welsh rugby. So I have a feeling that they, or maybe, maybe I didn't hear what you said right to Johnny, but if it's competing in the air, I think you're right. It's If it's then kicking the corners, I disagree because I don't think they know how to do it. I don't think they will do it. I think if it's everything contestable, yeah. And that would be clever, to be fair, because they are very, very good at it. They don't have the dominant power. I think if if you give away okay. possession, but you get melted up front nonstop, it's a long day. It's a long, long day at the office. So I have a feeling, that and I hope uh, to just to have a wild game, that they're going to actually chuck the ball around and be like, right if we're going to use kicking game, it's going to be to regather it. So it's going to be small chipping, uh, small chips, kicks to uh, go around the blitz defence. It's going to be kicking the corner diagonal, you know, for, to use Liam Williams and and to use all those those guys who can catch the ball in the air. And it's to go around the French power rather than just controlling the game by by uh, territory because I, I do not see that working for them. And the line now struggled, isn't it, Johnny? I'm not sure if that's the influence of Alan
3: Wynne-Jones. Again, how much was England stepping across the line putting them under pressure? But, Really, the Welsh boys, without Alan Wynn, they've got enough to be able to settle a line out, to set a line, to refuse an opposition lineout, closing the space. They have enough experience, but for whatever reason at Twickenham, they absolutely crumpled. And yeah, it'll have to be on point because again, France, that's an area, they've come on leaps and bounds over the past couple of seasons. But yeah, back to your point, Benji, 100%, I mean, contestables, chips, refusing the physical battle. And then we've seen, like we did it in Twickenham, when Wales hold on to ball in the right areas, They're good rugby players. They're smart rugby players. They've got good athletes. Cuthbert coming back on his 50th, freakish to watch. But I just think if there's a lesson to be learned playing against this French side, it's you can't muck around in your own half. And the way they will get out or choose to exit, I think, like you mentioned as well, will be contestable in the air, getting their their full back onto the ball and trying to cause some havoc. And then off that scrappy ball that's generated or created if they win those 50-50s, trying to capitalise. But otherwise, we've seen like Scotland trying to play out of your own third disaster. So yeah, a different type of game plan but again, it might be more difficult than we think for the Welsh boys as well. Again, Friday night, they really struggled to sell tickets. Bizarrely. Like there are loads of Welsh agents still trying to sell tickets to Frenchmen and French agents over here in France. So there was twenty odd thousand across at Murrayfield two weeks ago. I think that number might even be further north. Um, of 20,000, you're looking twenty five, thirty thousand 30,000 potentially because they're really struggling to sell tickets on the Welsh end. Well,
1: that might change things a bit, but I was going to ask, people often talk about the Principality Stadium as being oh, one of the theatres of world rugby, the best place to to play. And is that atmosphere on a Friday night going to be a factor, Benji?
2: Well, there, there are no rugby, rugby uh, stadiums that are hostile, don't get me wrong. The, the ones who say that is just, you know, for the promo, but the intensity most definitely. Uh, very, very hot and a special, special place. Uh, closeness to the line of the stands. I think it was Ryan Jones telling me that this, the steepest, uh, the steepest uh, angle of stadiums in the world. And I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic stadium to play in. Um, if if you get the experience of having the closed roof and the fireworks and the bish-bash-bosh bosh of Welsh rugby at its full tilt with the Mike Phillips and Jamie Roberts and all those dudes, that was zero fun because they were lightning fast, because they were ahead of everybody else in terms of conditioning, because they were ahead of everybody else in terms of pure size of, of backline, uh, because they were ahead of everybody else and then and everybody caught up. And then obviously, like, these are the successes that we saw in, in, in the early 2000s or the mid-2000s. I didn't hear this thing about lack of tickets. I really hope they're going to sell them all because it would be so disappointing considering how big France um, are at the moment, how exciting that game looks. But um, it, 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 overall, it just is one of those places where you close your eyes because of the noise, because of the general feeling of the place. You're at the Millennium Stadium and nowhere else in the world. And that is special. Um so it's it's a treat more than anything it's not hostile it's just a treat
1: Let's get a Welsh perspective on the game now then and we can have a chat with former Wales and British and Irish Lions international and ex racing and Bayern Scrum half Mike Phillips. How are you
4: doing? i it good. You okay? We're
1: good. Um, let's get straight into it. Benji sounded nervous last week. This week, he says Wales have got no chance. What do you reckon?
4: Yeah, well, um, what we've seen so far, I mean, it would suggest that France, you know, obviously they're on top form and it's great to see actually. Uh, because they've been rubbish for 15 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I'm, I'm joking. I mean, yeah, it's great. It's great to see, you know, France. I think it's great for the world game that having France at the top and what they've produced in the last year, you know, the win against New Zealand was was amazing. You know, they dominated them and and won easily. And uh, with the World Cup coming in France, you know, I would pick them as favourites for the World Cup even. And, you um, Sean Edwards there, he's obviously made a difference. Uh know him personally from Wales and I'm pleased for him. And so yeah, you know, and the individual players they got, you know, it makes you want to watch watch the game. And I think they're putting, you know, putting rugby on the map. So they, they've been great to see. So um, and with DuPont, I mean, he's a superstar, isn't he? I mean, um, I knew I was ready to retire when I'm starting to praise Scrumaves. So it's uh, he's something special, isn't he? So uh yeah, they they're, they're they're on top of the minute, and I think you you have to make them favourites for the game. Having said that, you know Wales were superb in that second half, and I think you know if they can start off there, uh, you know I think it could be a close game.
3: You mentioned that man Sean Edwards. Just how much of an impact and a motivator was he? Can you give us a little insight into how much of an impact he had on your career and that Welsh side that was so phenomenal in the noughties?
4: Yeah, I think is he's, um, he's like a, a mad genius. You know, he, he thinks outside the box, and I think. Uh, I'll give you an example. He made me man mark Willie LaRue for South Africa. So Willie LaRue in the first test, he scored three tries against us, carved us up. And in the second week then, he said, oh, Mike, I want you to man mark him. Well, obviously he's 15, you know, it's, but he didn't score on the second test. You know what I mean? And it's just like, uh, his, the way that his mind was thinking was something different. And uh, yeah, he's so passionate. You know, sometimes he'd forget players' names, but just because he's—he's he's, the passion is just you know boiling over, and he's just brilliant. So, no, yeah, a massive, uh, and even to this day, you know, he'd send me a little message, just seeing how I am and stuff. So, yeah, that goes a long way, you know. And when I finished, said some nice things to me. So, you know, those personal touches, you know, go a long way.
2: I'll give you the the rugby nose sort of type of question, but. Is it true that he puts so much emphasis on the role of the scrum half, even in the defensive lane? Because oh, I can yeah. always see this. Antoine Dupont is like third in line, right? Like imagine you have guard, block, whatever you call them around, around the ruck. And normally he asks his nine to be the third guy, to actually, you know, speed up on the first receiver and use the yeah. legs. And so actually, well, obviously you were a lot taller, but still very powerful and quick like, like Toto Dupont. Is this something that's really important to him in his defensive system?
4: Yeah, I think so. Well, he used to put me definitely on the front line you know in in the defensive line sometimes I was on the short side defense and I'd have to be on on the end and organizing that defense but he would want me to fill in anywhere and and really be aggressive and yeah I definitely got picked for my defensive roles at times Um, but with Dupont I think and with Gareth Davis as well I think he's, he's he's noticed that they're very quick and he uses their pace to sort of fly up on their own and sort of scare teams, you know I mean? And it's, again, that's that's his sort of genius using someone's pace, you know, using someone's, uh, what do you mean, uh, attributes, you know, in a positive way and he's constantly thinking outside the box and yeah, he definitely wants Scrum halves to, to be involved 100%, you know, it, it's not just attack, you know, you've got to do your job and um, in defensive, uh, defensive roles as well.
1: Were you surprised to see him take the job in France or not?
4: No, not really. I think he wanted the the head role of Wales I think so I think that didn't quite happen for him yeah so not good for him isn't it you know um, I'm delighted to see them uh, kick on and do so well when he's gone there as well so having been in France you know sometimes the coach gets a sack uh, so um, yeah having experience by on especially but yeah so it's great for him and he is he is one of the best in the world I think and you know he's had a massive influence on my career
1: we might come on to that French side of things in a minute but um before we leave the France-Wales game, where are Wales at at the moment under Wayne Pivak? Because they obviously won the tournament last year. Things seem to be turning around now. Where are we at?
4: Yeah, I mean, I like Wayne. I mean, I, I came out of retirement and played for the Scarlets for two games in South Africa. Yeah, I thought he was, he was amazing. Um, it's great to see him win the Six Nations last year because I think the worrying thing, you know, with Gatland and, and all that, and he's, he was there for such a long period. You know, his first year, people are quick to sort of... Slate in but I think he's definitely the right man for the job and I think he was you know it was we were in need of a change as well you know a change is good and so yeah it was pleasing for him to win last year and 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 just sort of to shut people up a bit so yeah I think it's a bit of a transition period a lot of youngsters coming in a bit of a lot of learning is is being done and hopefully but you know hopefully they can kick on now and um, you know go to the next level.
2: And do you think so? You you mentioned it earlier because I was at the England Wales game and they did fuck all for the first half and it was so boring, both both sides. And then in the yeah. second half when they actually started playing a little bit unconventional stuff, but at least when they just started putting pace, they they really put England under pressure, right? They were just playing the good old days of of Welsh rugby, which was innovative, fast pace, uh, sort of attacking full flow, uh, you know, style of rugby. And that's when we saw them again. They were they we they would put them in the trouble. So do you think? they're going to concentrate on themselves. irrelevantly of if it's France, Africa, England, whoever's in in front of them on Friday, or they're going to try to beat France, which would mean a lot more kicking game, a lot more strategic stuff, because if they play that fast pace and drop the ball against France, they can be dead meat.
4: No, I think it suits us to play quick. You know, we're not necessarily a big nation. You know, we haven't got massive forwards. You know, so we need to play quick ball. We need to, you know, tap and go and, you know, play a high tempo. You know, Thomas Williams is having... It's nice to see him having regular rugby and and starting, because that that was an issue as well. We were always changing the scrum off, so it's nice to see him settled into that first place now. And um, and he can create a lot for us. Um, nice to see Kathy getting some some you know having some great runs and stuff. But yeah, we need to play with our tempo and PIVAC wants that sort of wide channel rugby and yeah we we have to play with tempo and you know it, it's it suits us as, as a sort of you know as we are as you know a stature really I think.
3: Pre tournament, Sam Warburton predicted bizarrely that Wales would finish fifth. Currently, sitting fifth right now, you mentioned the chopped and changed a few injuries. A result this weekend and Italy coming last, it could flip either way. Like it could be a fifth place finished or it could be a third, fourth or higher. So, looking towards the end of the tournament, what would you say would be a respectable finish for this Welsh side this year?
4: Well, I think I said it, I think it's a, a year of learning, really. I think uh, players would have gone to Twickenham I and I think they would be sat in that change room thinking, Geez, I should have believed. We should have believed in ourselves a bit more. And I think at the highest level, sometimes it's about that. It's about confidence. The regions haven't done well. They haven't won a game in Europe. So, you know, confidence can't have been high going into the Six Nations. And you know, I guarantee. Like, knowing the mentality of Welsh people, they don't back themselves enough. And you know, I think that um, having those experiences, and I think they'll they learn a lot. So I, you know, answer your question. I'm not too concerned about where they'll end up. It's just, I think a lot of these players will will gain so much from this Six Nations because last year, I think, we did have a bit of luck. We had a lot of red cards, you know, and I think that we, uh, they perhaps would have thought, oh, this is easy, this international malarkey. And it's not, you know, I think this year is more about learning and then hopefully they can push on. So, to answer your question, I don't know. Uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) And give us your view on this France side then because you loved a bit of Flair, obviously, but they're quite pragmatic as well, under Fabien Gartier. So, what do you make of them overall?
4: Oh yeah, they're just exciting, aren't they? And exciting individuals. Like I said, the game against New Zealand was was amazing. You know, it wasn't a scrappy win. There was flair running it from their own twenty-two, and and that's what we all love to see from from French uh, national teams. So, you know, I we all loved watching. You know, the, those teams of the nineties and. Um, and it's great that, that, there's, that they're playing back that way because there was—I know I joked about it before—but there were a couple of years there where France were pretty poor, you know, and you know.
2: Yeah, thanks, mate. It
4: was my years. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, scott sped in in the team, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scott and me. <laughs> no, but uh, no. You know, I want to see good rugby, you know, and I think they, they're, they're on top. They, you know, it's great to see.
1: And when you started your career, they were winning Six Nations. So how do you think this side, I know they haven't won a, a Six Nations yet, but they may yeah. go on to do it this year. How do they compare to the strong French sides that you faced?
4: Yeah, I think the last time they won, was it 2006? Was it? Ten.
1: 2010 Ten. they won it. Grand yeah. Slam and
4: 10. Yeah, because they won it once. And I was I played my first um, <laughs> Six Nations game and I was man of the match, but we still lost.
1: But. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was a reason for bringing that up.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, well, you know, no, like I said, I mean, I think I like the way that they've brought the youngsters through now in the end of 20s. I think the DuPont era, they've kind of bledded them and, and sort of given those boys an opportunity. So, you know, fair do. Well, you know, it's great fun.
1: And let's touch on your time in France. And you mentioned it earlier on, you went to Bayern. That was after the 2011 World Cup. So was that a big call at that time to move to France?
4: So I just bought a book out. Uh, and I wasn't allowed to mention anything about Bayon in the book so <laughs> uh, but,
3: Johnny um, knows all about that they' are with you mate I feel your pain
4: but I love Bayon. I absolutely love it i mean the fans are amazing I loved it i loved it too much to be honest um and got myself uh, in, in a few bits of trouble but I loved it I thought i loved living in Biarritz, going to training on a vespa with a vest on and you know you can't that's just unbelievable and I think the fans you know, were were amazing. The 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 song um, was just. I think it's one of the best rugby songs. um Bayonet, What's it? What's it called? The
3: Pena Bayonar. Pena
4: Bayonar. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, but it, you know, unfortunately, things as a team, perhaps we weren't quite there. But you know, as a rugby club, it was. It was amazing, really. So I, I never say anything bad about
3: it, mate. It was some team you had as well. Like it's that you mentioned that Welsh players don't back themselves enough. Like it's amazing that you would pick that up and you'd say that because every time on the field, like you absolutely back yourself. One of my, oh yeah, fir- one of my first memories.
4: But that was that was my job.
3: Of course it was. But mate, it was hilarious being on the other end of it as well. Like I, I loved it. Like one of my earliest memories in Montpellier was coming to buy on for one of our first games, and so like I'm packing down with my team. There's Augustine Creevy, Juan Fagallo, Mamuka Gorgodzi. And then the other side like you had Chisholm, Tialata, I think potentially Lowaki might have been there as well. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I remember you coming to feed the ball into a scrum for Bayon. And, but in English, so the French boys didn't understand, but Mike Phillips wrote like British Lion coming up to tick. And he's like, oh, fucking hell, boys. My back is fucking breaking, carrying look You're fucking useless. <laughs> Can you hurry the fuck up? And do you know what I mean? Like all of you boys crumpled kind of laughing and all the English boys, all the Anglo boys on my side. Again, I was cr- one of my first games in France, but I loved it, the confidence and the brashness that you brought. And the yeah. exact same, another one exactly the same was, I remember playing a Six Nations game against you at the Millennium at the time. And the exact same, like we talked about as well, the, the role of a nine with Sean Edwards. But I can remember the exact same scenario, like packing down for a scrum, and you like chinning Ryan Jones. Is it Ryan Jones or Andy Powell? I can't remember. Being like, "Fucking hell, boys! You must love playing with me. Must be like- <laughs> it, mu- it must be. <laughs> it must be like playing with four back rows. Fucking hell! I'm melting people today. This is amazing. And again, like the biggest, like the biggest games you can have, Six Nations game, um, huge viewership. But again, the little interactions that you don't get on TV and you don't pick up. But again, for me, like cracked me up, and like I absolutely loved it. I thought it was hilarious. So again, maybe Welsh players don't back themselves enough, but you absolutely did.
4: Nous avons gagné le match grâce à moi. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> exactly. All I, that's all I ever said. Even when we lost, they used to say it.
3: <laughs> and that must have been frustrating for you, coming from a Welsh side that was super organised, like almost better coached fitter, more aggressive, you know, coming to Bayonne where they had the budget, we won't talk about like the other side of Bayonne. we'll just talk about the rugby side, but when you had yeah. like a Tia you had Chisholm, you had Jorica Coco, you had Cedric Haymans, you had yourself, but in the end you ended up in a relegation battle. Like, it's crazy to think that must have been really frustrating as a player.
4: Yeah, it was, and it was on the back of uh, 2011 uh, the Rugby World Cup, so I arrived my first year, I was obviously in the World Cup, so I I, I arrived late, and yeah you know we, we were up up against it so and yeah just the changing they were looking for quick fixes all the time you know that they, they they sacked the coach pretty much straight away and it was always like as if you know not picking up the dirt just pushing it under the carpet and not you know it was just it was frustrating but you know you you get on with it you you know you just um but there we are you know I, uh, it was an amazing experience got to play with some top players and yeah i loved the whole um the whole experience of it all, but yeah, it was a shame that we we couldn't perform. But I think we ended up seventh once, but and that was seen as quite a, a positive. You know, we, we weren't ready for the top top tier of it. You know, we were way off. But um, yeah, what an experience!
1: I was going to ask you about how it ended, but I don't want to let her in the post any more than you or Johnny do. So, um, how did the move to wrestling come about?
4: Well, I think things happened obviously, and then Rog was there, and I think. Um, I think I played I played the autumn series for Wales with no club so like Mike Phillips number nine no club so that was quite <laughs> um, and I was obviously telling the boys see boys I don't need to play um, <laughs> club rugby I'm just play international uh, that was like a running joke but yeah no obviously Racing called up then and yeah the, the setup, up um, the professionalism was was much much better and you know the squad again was amazing. But like I say, if we if we could have had the, the fans from Bayon with a team in Racing, I mean that would have been special. But um and then the likes of, you know, Dan Carter turning up was, was pretty cool. And yeah, Chris Masoey and yeah, you know, we had a we had a class team and, and yeah, we won the league. So um yeah, that was special again.
3: It must have been quite strange doing with a couple of Welsh boys as well, because you were there with Danny Lydia, I remember bumping into him in Paris, and Jamie Roberts was there at the same time, wasn't he?
4: Yeah, when I, when I was in Bayonne, I really did try to make an effort and sit, you know, spend time just sitting next to the French players and and listening and trying to learn the language. And then, um, but it was hard then in racing because the French players were trying to learn English, so completely opposite to they seen the benefit. Whereas in Bayonne, you know, it was like, you know, you speak French, so so it was tough then, and yeah, my French went out the window really.
1: <laughs> and you mentioned Carter before um, is it true he helped you meet your wife
4: yeah he, so we were out having dinner and um, just at the bottom of Sean's Elyse and um, he, he comes over to me he goes oh Mike these girls have bought you a drink and I'm like oh yeah that's normal girls buy I me can <laughs> uh, and uh, so i just and he goes oh you better go and say thanks so I waltzed over to this table with three girls Sit down, and they, they obviously, you know, haven't got a clue who I am, uh, and they obviously haven't bought me a drink. But I'm just the girl I sat next to was was now my wife. So yeah, in a roundabout way, he did sort of introduce me, but she did ignore me all that night. Um, <laughs> but I managed to um, yeah track her down
1: there. So he's good at break off the field as he was on it.
4: Yeah, he's a top guy. Yeah, what a what an individual, great great character. What a player as well. Didn't didn't put a foot wrong. Always made the right decision. Um, never made a mistake and I think that's what youngsters need to realise it's not always about doing the flash stuff just making you know doing the right decisions all the time and yeah what a character you know off the field you know went to Monaco Grand Prix together Uh, that was good fun you know um, he's a top top guy down to earth good fun likes a beer you know so
1: you mentioned you loved it in the south of France so Paris seems like it must have suited you down to the ground eh?
4: Yeah, well, Paris. Nobody knows anything about rugby there, really. You know, even the French players passing out on the Champs Elysees—no you know, kid, no one, no photos—and um, so that was quite that was quite nice. Um, but um, yeah, completely different. I'm so happy that I experienced the beach side and then the city. You know, because um, you know, five years in France and sort of ticked both boxes, which was uh, pretty special. So um, yeah, I loved it.
2: Talk to us about the, the whole, what, what I mentioned to you when we were in Dubai, that whole pictures sent on social media to Isabelle Thurberu. I want to know how that came along. <laughs> Why the hell did you ever think that it was a good idea to post a picture? It's basically banter with a presentator that does Canal Plus, who's a very pretty lady. Uh, yeah. and, and then it comes back with a picture of, uh, oh, it's obviously banter, but in the end, it's a picture of you with your six-pack out going, are you sure? So I want to yeah. know, I wonder, where, where the hell was that from?
4: So I was traveling back to Bayonne. So we just won the Six Nations. And um, so I'm in the back of the car, just on Twitter. And I seen her message something, tweet. So I tweeted her, Alei Bayonne or something, just something really stupid. And she re- responded. And I was single. And uh, I go, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, if they respond, I was, uh, you know. <laughs> So then, uh, yeah, there's a bit of banter, and then I asked her if she's single or something, and then she said, yes, I'm very happily married. So I was like, oh, I can't can't let her have this. So (laughs) I scrolled through my phone and looked for a picture of me, my top off, looking good. So then I sent it, boom, um, are you sure, 66 caps?
2: Uh, That's the best one. Hashtag sixty
4: six because that would have made the difference. Uh, I, walked, I tell I you
2: walked, what. I tell you what. You went. You went from zero to a hero in France with one uh, picture. Basically. All I the last Everybody.
4: There. Absolute legends right? Walked into the change rooms. The boys went nuts. They were like, they were going nuts. And I just won a Six Nations. They didn't care about that. And then I was playing. Then every game I played. Players of the opposition were like laughing and going to me. Hey, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: that was really? too funny. That was too funny.
3: Oh, so good! And mate, talk. Tell us a little bit about life now. Where are you based? What are you up to? You've obviously got books, coffees, gins flying off the shelves as well. Tell us a little bit about it all and how you're getting on.
4: Well, this week we've we've just launched. We're going to be partnering up with uh, WIU, uh, we're bringing out a low alcoholic spirit. So that's, that's been, has been launched last week. Um, so that's pretty exciting. So me, Shane Williams, Lee Byrne and James Hook. So we've, we've got that on the go, which is, which was great. And we were up with British Airways and Twickenham and last week. So yeah, that that's really exciting. And then we've also got a coffee together, which, which is, uh, which is going well. We've only been going a year, so been doing bits of that back in Wales um so that's been nice so we've always stuck together you know after rugby but it's nice to sort of go into business together and uh and we do lots of speaking events together and you know um it's, it's great to catch up with them as well and keep in contact so we've got that going on but i'm based in dubai full time so you've got two two kids there now two boys and so yeah we love it so yeah there's lots going on so you know life's pretty good
1: judging by some of the stories the fab four and uh Low alcoholic spirit Brandis. Is there an irony there? <laughs>
4: <laughs> ah, it's, just, it's where the world's going, isn't it? No, it's uh, it's exciting. So you know, like I say, it's it's been run really well. It's been packaged really well. So you know, always seems to be positive messages. So yeah, that's that's pretty exciting, really. So yeah, hopefully, you can it'll it'll do well.
1: And very quickly before we let you go back on the game, you mentioned Sean Edwards earlier on. We know he'll be super motivated going back to Wales. Especially after how it all ended, there. Give us your prediction.
4: Well, I I think it would be close, uh, but probably France will will take it in the end. I don't know. Maybe do you need a score or?
1: Well, you can leave that to those two if you want. Sit on the fence.
4: Yeah, leave will sit on the fence. But I think they've they've just got a bit too much offering. You know, they they they've got some really powerful forwards and some clinical backs. Yeah, and, Sh- and Sean's going to be revved up to the max. So yeah, I can I can't really see. You know, from what I've seen so far, you know, you you wouldn't say that the whales are going to be favourites in the game. But I just want to see a better performance, and hopefully, you know, that that same sort of second half. And as we mentioned, you know, just a bit bit more of a clinical sort of performance, really.
1: Cheers, Mike. Great to have you on, and good luck with all the many ventures.
4: Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Go well, mate. A lot, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. I didn't know
1: that story you mentioned there, Benji. Nice. No, Hashtag
4: sixty six caps. Sixty
2: six caps. There's, I don't think there's another guy in the world that would have the nuts to do what he did. <laughs> like it's, it's the, it was the funniest thing that, and nobody, everybody's seen. And I mean, in the 2000s, it was by a mile, the funniest thing. <clears throat> and it was the beginning of social media. So you didn't know what you could say or not say. And French were really, really barely starting at it. So never really, knew what it was. <laughs> Oh, are you sure I mean, <laughs> and you have to find a picture of him it's, it's a sleazy picture of him like this you know like, Yeah, uh, you find back so man, don't get me wrong he's ripped to the bones he obviously looks good but hashtag 66 caps is <laughs> exactly what tips it off for me I actually think she was married to Gonzalo Quesada at the time yeah she was which, really? which does not which is now the, the coach of Stad so I, I don't think it would have made him laugh at all but we could
1: well we chatted about what might pan out in terms of the game with Mike, but in terms of team selection, Gabin Villiers back. So does he come straight back in for Moefana? No changes apart from that?
2: Um, it would be a tough one because Moe bloody hell he had a good game against Ireland and then he confirmed against against Scotland. Uh, I but but Gabin Villier was the standout player, has been yeah. a standout player. They love him for his attitude, for the way that he impacts the general morale of the team by his 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 toughness, his general overall toughness toughness and and if you want to ensure that you go with that right attitude because if they have the right let's, let's put it this way if they have the right attitude there's no chance they're going to win in my mind right the the if, if France lose it's going to be a big slip up of them um. so it, it could be it could be that and also for the last two years the one thing that the the management side can pride themselves on is how reliable they've been in their team selection and how much you only lose your spot if you've been shit on the field, a bit like what, you know, I think it's what the, the All Blacks were saying. You, you lose your spot with, with jersey on, not jersey off. And you always saw that guys would come back after a year out of for injury and they would come back and start with the same jersey. You know, no, no, you, you don't lose it while you go away, irrespective of how good the other guy's been. And I think France has really been like that. Look, Typically, Julien Marchand, Movaca. 40 points against New Zealand. He still starts against Italy and and, and, and all the others. So I have a feeling that Gabin Villar will be back and Moefana as the perfect uh, replacement because he can cover multiple positions. The only one that's a question mark is Greg Aldrich. He's sick. He's not
3: training at the minute. So is that going to be a late change? We don't know. Um, but you think hopefully it's going to be a quick gastro and he'll be back in training for the team run on Thursday, Friday and he'll, he'll get on the plane. So no, I'd agree. Villiers back in. Uh, Moifana drops down to the bench and hopefully Greg Aldrich will still be there and still be starting this week too.
1: Let's have a quick word on the other two games in round four of the Six Nations now then and get your predictions in, most importantly, for the Guinness Pint Predictor from MatchPint. If you haven't had a go yet, it definitely isn't too late to join in and there's a chance to win a pint of Guinness with every game as well as weekly prizes as well. All you have to do is pick the winner of each game and how many they'll win by and don't forget to enter our league with the code LARUGBY once you've downloaded the MatchPint app as well. Johnny?
3: (laughs) Yes, yes, mate.
1: (laughs) Italy, Scotland, are you still worried?
3: No. Um, Yeah, a little bit, but no. Uh, No, I think that will be straightforward-ish. I think it's going to be bloody hard for 50 minutes, and then hopefully Italy will crack, but I think a 15-16 point win for Scotland. I think hopefully they can get back on track. Saying that, Italy that we talked about last week, they've got such a big point to prove. Again, incredibly proud of their performance against Ireland with 13 men, which must have been horrendous. They'll be desperate to get back to Rome. I don't think it's going to be easy for Scotland, but I think it will be a nut that will be cracked eventually and they'll keep toiling away and they'll find some find some holes in that Italy defensive line. So I'm going to go Scotland by
2: 14. Well, I've got two ways of seeing this. Do I give my honest opinion or do yes. I try to finally claw back into this race of the point oh, where I've been oh, terrible? Yes. So do I try to go to all, all in on Italy sneaking a win by one point, which could, I'm the only one who's going to bet on this because I'm the only one to bet they would beat England by thirty-five points because I pressed the wrong button, apparently, <laughs> um, and and try to sneak my way in. So I will go for Italy by one point because that's my only chance. I, I want to win this thing. And to be fair, I I don't see what did you say? Fifteen points? Is that what you said? 14? Fourteen? Very 14. different. Fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be very very tight because Scotland's morale is down, mate. They they were I think they really they really got hurt. Um, I don't know about the, their injuries, if there's guys coming back and stuff, but as soon as they drop, I think they lost their whole back row basically in the first three games, which yeah. which is which is very complicated. Um, Amy Watson was positive to COVID, so I'm sure he'll be back. But Ritchie still, yeah, Jimmy Richie still Jimmy Richie's out and Faggerson is still out. Faggerson, right? that's right. So that's 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 quite that's that's a lot for them. So I'll um, and and I think Italy, even though we spoke about this whole rule thing and how he applied the rule of the book and it had nothing to do with them. They feel that it got a little bit done, not because of the rule was wrongly uh, applied, but because it's a stupid rule (laughs) and there should be an angle to it. If you have a hooker that can potentially, or a prop that can potentially go to hooker. Uh, Don't get me wrong, which is the only case scenario where that rule doesn't make sense. So yeah, so I'll, I'll go Italy by one point. Not because I think they will smack uh, Scotland, just because I want to claw back. And if there's a small chance that it happens, it could be this weekend.
3: But you know what? If they do, it answers a lot of questions. It's great for the tournament. Yeah. And it means that I'm no longer part of the last side that lost to Italy. Yeah. So I'd be, de- I'd be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> Man,
2: I, lo- I lost to Italy. We always keep on exactly. banging on Italy and stuff. I lost there.
3: Exactly. So do you know what? It'd be great for the tournament and it would shut a lot of people up. So especially with their 20s kids that are pushing through the R a decent crop as well, um, it'd be a huge result for them. Yeah, Italy by one point for Benji and Scotland by 14 for me.
2: England, Ireland, Benji. That's a really tough one. Yeah. I think Ireland are better. I think Ireland are more experienced, uh, faster paced. Well, everybody's up for it to play in England anyway, so there's never a question for it, uh, about it. I just, feel they are an incredible rugby team and France really had to step up to the, to, to the plate to, uh, to do well against them a couple of weeks ago. But England are angry. England are powerful. England really played 50% of what I've got in the tank uh, against against Wales. But if Manu had played against against Wales, it was coming back. If you know they had a bit more striking power in the backs, yes. I still, I just don't think they have a combo yet that works as a 12-13 or or then you have a 10 like Owen Farrell who smacks people in the face. And he can potentially carry the ball, but if you have Marcus Smith, who's an incredible rugby player, he needs an in right? He needs a big old unit next to him, or at least not even a unit, just somebody who's 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 able—not a, a creator, but a sort of a carrier. And I just don't think they have it at the moment. So that that lack of balance doesn't sit well with me. Uh, that lack of certainty of what the back row is going to look like doesn't sit well with me. So I'll put I'll put Ireland ahead. Uh, by three points, let's say. But, but, But that will be a close, close game.
3: Mate, I've just written down Ireland by three points. That is absolutely incredible. I'm sort of the same in that I look at those two sides and I almost expect loads more from both of them. It's really like they're packed full of talent. But again, Ireland undone a little bit over in France, then against 13 men probably should have stuck a hundred points on them, but didn't. And we're committing unforced errors. England don't look too settled. Like you mentioned, need a 12. Well, how are they trying to play? Nobody really knows what I'm hoping is that this weekend, that's going to be the game of the tournament. I don't know why, but I'm hoping that they both spark, they both fire. They both find that stride that everyone's been waiting for. And they give us a real game. Um, that being said, advantage England because they're at home. But again, I just think Ireland, When you, watching the way Leinster play, the way they operate as a team when they fire and they stick together, they're just phenomenal. So again, I don't think it's going to be a massive score, but I, I'm with you, Benji. I've got Ireland by three as well. I'm really looking forward to the Sexton Smith contest, the head-to-head and how they run their sides. But no, I believe Ireland have got enough strength, uh, enough depth um, and enough about them to go to Twickenham and nick a result. And Friday Night Lights in Cardiff. Wales-France, Johnny? I think everybody's leaning the same way. Um, I think there's going to be a pile of travelling support as well, which helps the Frenchmen um, on the field. And I just think the way they're playing, they're going to be too hot to handle. I think they'll have too much up front. I think if Wales give away any field position, they'll be crucified the way that every other side has been so far in the tournament. France, again, not really losing anybody to injury full strength, settled, confident. And again, they won there two years ago. Intermac intercepting, going up the touchline, blitz defense again. And, and I just think there's only one way Wales are going to win this game. It's by blitzing there, gathering some scrappy field position and stringing together some phases and scoring. And I, I just think France at the minute are too well organized and I don't think Wales will be able to contain them. So I'm going to go France to win away on Friday night by 12.
2: I was going to say 12 because I had my mind 20, 20, 25, 13. But uh, but then I'll change it and twelve. You need yeah. to be Johnny. Oh so no! Oh, hold on, I'll I'll 13 change. Thirteen. I'll go to 13. one more. Thirteen, and I'll go back. I'll go Ireland by four. If you want to lose, fine. Make it different <laughs> as well. I've made. I've made already my predictions for round five, just so you know. But it's it's, it's...
1: just to make sure there's no technical errors. Exactly. You've got them in the exactly.
2: <laughs> I've <I'll> been looking.
1: <laughs> okay, let's have a quick chat about the top fourteen before we go as well, and. Beer it's Johnny, losing to mm. Toulon. Are they done?
3: That's it. Even, even the president, even J.B. Aldij came out and said, look, we, we've toiled hard, the morale is up, but we're not, we've not made a sustained attempt this season um, and we don't have enough to stay up. So I, I think, again, if your president's coming out with that message, it's a clear sign that things aren't right. I, again, like I bumped into, well, Steph Armitage, did a bit in the press, I bumped into a couple of the Irish players in the airport in Paris. They were saying, like, they didn't have any hot water in the training centre for the past 10 days. Like, they've all had to either have cold showers in between training or go home. Again, political turmoil, the club against the Marie and Biarritz, like, it's an absolute shambles. So it's a place that isn't stable at the minute. Um, they've toiled really hard together as a group and tried to make it stick on the field. Their line-out fell apart at the weekend and they just don't have the depth to compete at this level. They've got some fantastic rugby players, don't get me wrong, um, and some fantastic blokes as well, but I think that's them gone now. Um, again, with other sides around them winning, it's just going to be too hard. They are too far gone. It's shifting 45 points at home to Toulon who've been battling. Really disappointing, but you think now it's going to be too tough. That is them two feet in pro do And if they don't even
1: have hot water...
3: Benji, is it just the case that if the infrastructure
1: isn't there, you know, they've, they've got some talent clearly, but the setup isn't right.
2: Well, don't forget that birds have been struggling for, for years and out of absolutely nowhere, did they finish fifth or something of, of product last year or fourth minimum? And then they ended up sneaking a win, right? So it was already a little bit out of nowhere. They beat Van in Van in the semi, yeah. they should have, at last minute, and then they, you know, lost the final and then beat, uh, who was it? Those by oh, world, it was uh, in, 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 in a quite in an extraordinary uh, manner. So, are they a talented team? Absolutely. Do they love each other? 100%. Um, and they really have something special. Now, the facilities are archaic, or I don't know how you say that in English, but they're, they're long gone and um and it's and it's and it's complicated so it's the harsh truth that heart and desire can can work and talent can work and love for each other can work 100% but it's complicated to make that sustainable over such a long season it was such a a dreadfully drain uh, physically draining and mentally draining moments um, I think they started their top 14 season with two wins, you know, so they deserve to be in top 14. It's not like poor Agen last year or two years before that scored two points the whole season, which was dreadful, which was zero fun. They actually challenged sides. They could have won away. They, they always threw their bodies on the line. I remember they almost beat, was it Bordeaux and Bordeaux and they beat a couple of teams at home and they did really well. But the reality is that the intensity of this top 14 is is out of this world, that every single team is very, very decent, that it's not top six, top 14 players now or teams are really, really good. Um, so it's actually a little bit disappointing that they didn't use that promotion to let's bury the, l'âge de guerre you know, the, 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 I mean, the hatchet of war. And and let's finally push in the same direction. If anything, I think it made things worse because there was a bit of bitterness and jealousy and X, Y, and Z. So we're here and they were going to Lille and then you hear and they were going to this, and then we shut the water because they didn't allow to pay for it. And then there's a development, there's no development. I mean, phew, I love this place. I would love to retire in Berets and see some quality rugby. And I'll tell you right now, as soon as I have a bit of coin, like Johnny, I will buy a <laughs> house in Berets and I will fly in and out. I want to commute from Berets anywhere in the world. It's a beautiful, wonderful region of France that makes me feel so proud to be French. But when they kick up a shit storm over a bill, over I decide, you don't decide, that doesn't make me fr- proud. And I'm I'm pissed off about it. Such a, a waste of, of talent of a, a region that breathes rugby, but with Bayonne, no, whatever two clubs in, in, in a couple of kilometers in a small region already. You're not talking about Lyon and, and, you know, and its neighbor. It's two small, small, big villages uh, that are next to each other. So it's, I think it's just a waste. It's a little bit sad, to be fair. But I actually loved how El DJ was smart enough to say, well, it's, we're done. But if we're going to be in second division, it's time to prepare now. And and we're gonna hit the ground running whilst if, if we do need to go down. So I think it's a healthy way to do it. But let's just sort out this problem because it's fun. The rivalry, oh fusion, no fusion, it's great fun. I, I'm fed up with it. I want to see something big and something proper. Whoever does it, just do it, please.
1: And at the other end of the table, they're still top, but what's happened to Bordeaux? Four defeats on the spin now and losing 2316 at home to Poe. It's a massive shock, isn't it?
3: Yeah, they lost Matthew Jalibert in the warm-up again. That's the third time that he's had something this season and pulled out in the warm-up. So really disappointing for him, for the French side as well, that he's not going to be involved um, at all in the Six Nations. But I came across a weird stat. Basically, they haven't lost this season when they've had either Wachie or Jalibert in the team. You remove those two guys, that's the only time they've lost games. So Wachie hasn't lost a game he's played for Bordeaux this season. Like a phenomenon, but he brings so much to the team. That's it. You pull two guys out in a team that normally functions well. And there's a there's a few chinks in the armor. So again, weirdly you have to pay credit a little bit to Poe. Poe have been toiling away, getting better, slowly building. They do not have a team of superstars. Like you do not recognize, they're not household names but they're well-coached, they're organised, and they've gone to Bordeaux, a place that's been a fortress for two or three seasons under Christophe Urias and played extremely well. So a bit of disruption in the warm-up for Christophe Urias and, and the Bordeaux side. Losing Jally Bears is never easy, but, you know, Francois Trandouk, my old mate, slotted in, played relatively well, um, but Poe were just fantastic. So, yes, a, a bizarre, you would never bank on Poe going to Bordeaux and winning, but, again, credit to Poe. They, they've built really nicely. They've got better as the year's gone on. Um, and Pikironi is the, the coach there who used to be the under-20s coach is doing a terrific job. So chapeau to them. And yeah, disappointment for Bordeaux um, and really disappointment for Matthew Jalibur out injured
2: again. We mentioned Claremont last week, Benji. I said, is it starting to click? Another win? So starting to click, I'm not so sure, but I think something really important happened is that I spoke to my mate Morgan Power a couple of weeks ago, I obviously, you know, pumped him up and this and that's that's 10 minutes with Mike Phillips and and I'm the cockiest thing (laughs) I've ever been. (laughs) He's got such an influence on you. It's unbelievable. But uh, no, no, I spoke to Morgan and because I I, I know and I I love him, he only uh, uh, sort of confirmed something that I already knew that he would want to leave Clermont flying, right? He's put too much blood and sweat into this jersey. Um, to to leave it in the shit way and I was absolutely I didn't see the game but I saw the last 20 minutes and I was so happy to see the Morgan that I love who was yelling at everyone who was screaming at the ref at, at at the opposition but mainly at his forwards on every single batter at the end there was more I think it was 16 16 at 20 73rd minute or something like that um Obviously quite a tense finish, so, you know, every penalty and every kick and every chase uh, counts. And he was absolutely leading front and front, putting his body on the line like he normally does. But on top of that, I saw a leader. I saw a charismatic, screamy little dog that he is, and he was just unreal. And on top of that, there's obviously the, the, the most important penalty of the game, 78th minutes after a big driving mall. Who gets it? Morgan. And he nails it. And for me, and then obviously then there's sort of a little scuffle at the end. Somebody kicks a ball and they end up scoring a game, which finishes it completely for them. But I was delighted to see this wrestle and to see Morgan and everybody jumped on him at the end. And then he spoke again in in the huddle. I I sent a message after the game. I mean, years passed, but the the balls of steel are still there. And it's really something that I believe. He is the most bravest, most courageous rugby player you will ever meet on a rugby field. He's got this edge about him that is pure toughness and he's actually his body's actually very weak (laughs) but his mind is the strongest thing you've ever seen so yes it takes him to different complicated edges from time to time he's a horrendous uh, card player because he hates losing and he's a miserable shit when he does and you can't stand him but my word is he a competitor my word you always want him in your team because he's gonna fight until the last second so I saw Clermont I don't know if they're they're the the way that they play actually particularly clicked, but the mindset definitely clicked. And he said, "Listen, now we've got we've got to win every single game at home and cause one upset, and we'll be in the top six, and then anything can happen from there." So, I think be careful with Clermont because when you're led by such a legend as him, and he's going to want to finish by the big door, you know, sortir par la grande porte, come out on by the big door, and 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 you after that once you have that mindset, you don't know what can happen.
3: Mike Phillips is just WhatsApp to say. Is he big enough a legend and confident enough to send a topless selfie to Isabel Thurou? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Oh.
1: And I haven't mentioned the Classico between Stade Francais and Toulouse yet, but I think it might be about to come up because it's time for our meter moment of the
3: week. Is it from the Classico, Johnny? 100%, mate. Absolutely. Meter moment of the week goes to Lua Mappe for me, um, the Stade Francais 12, who is an absolute freak show with Bond Hand. He's so good to watch. But it was a tied game, like 16-all. Again, it was a bit of a damp scrub of the game, but 82nd minute, last play of the game, the counter's gone red, and the ball comes out to Lua Nothing is really on but bang, explosive power. There's a three-on-three defensive edge. He steps inside Pierre Fusac with an awesome step off his right. He sits down the scrum off, Paj on his backside, breaks another tackle, and then offloads to Hamadawi to win the game and break lose Hearts in the 82nd minute, and he made it look easy. Um, and we've seen him do it in the past for the All Blacks and for the Hurricanes, um, but this was a moment of magic and brilliance in the top 14 this weekend, and so easily the metre moment of the weekend for me. And the best bit, again, it didn't go down well with the opposition bench, but the reaction of the Stade Francais bench, the staff, and the fans, it was absolutely phenomenal. So the, the break and the piece of play by Lua Mappe, um, world-class piece of play and easily the meter moment of the week.
1: Do you agree, Benji? And Lua Mappe hasn't exactly torn it up early in his top 14 career, has he? So is this him kind of settling in and announcing himself fully for Stade Francais?
2: Well, When you sign, and you, I'm sure there's a huge financial commitment with him, when you sign such a superstar, you expect him to deliver on the, on the pitch. But when he does on such a crucial moment, on a clutch moment or whatever you want to call it, it's it's even the, the it's just the more sweeter um and so i'm actually happy for him just because you know you want guys to to live up the reputation and like johnny said there wasn't much there but boy they did he deliver the only upset thing thing that i've got with that the reaction of the of the of the of the stat bench laurence Ampere, gonzalo quesada and julian arias who i played with all three of them um is It, it was, was genuine, was heartfelt, and that was awesome, right? The only issue that I've got, for me personally, the ref completely melted in the last couple of minutes. And there was at least two Shocking. or three tough calls that he just did not make, including, and I think that's the reason why Toulouse got so pissed off, because there's a clear contest by this big guy, Yuyut. He's a Uyut. good player, mate. Very his good. second row, and remember Joe Tekori said he's probably the only guy that could take home his legacy of the biggest drinker of Toulouse, so beware. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah. Um, and, man, and he, he's definitely got the hands on the ball and he's pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. Hands off for some whatever reason. He just doesn't want to take the tough play. Imagine a penalty could have been the winning Ken penalty. If they score, they score. You know, nobody can say anything. If you give the winning penalty, it's the ref that's sort of responsible for it. And he just clearly stepped away. Didn't want to say anything because he didn't want to start to lose because of his de- decision. Um, and then the on that Paris. same play, on that same play, that's when they chucked the ball to muwapper in his scores so they were furious and there were three and i think unfortunately unfortunately it's it's pretty fair for them to be furious about it there were three as well that they had all,
3: they had fair right to be furious with furious with the first one was jj That was like a shoulder charge on Joe cory's head it goes to the TMO, and the referee almost argues with the TMO to bring it down from a red to a yellow. So the TMO is saying, look, he's contacted his head. It's a red card. But he says, no, 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 it's a yellow. Just gives him a yellow. That's the first one. The UU penalty, the phase before, that doesn't allow the penalty for Toulouse. They were raging, and then there was a scrum penalty as well. That was a clear scrum penalty to Toulouse. So, again, that's a huge win for Stade Francais because the last five minutes, everything was stacked against them. They should have been penalized three or four different ways. And... Um, but again, doesn't take away from the reaction, the piece of play that was magical um, by Lo
1: Absolutely. Not the referee, but Lo Mape's break. That was Johnny and Benji's meter moment of the week. And Meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 11 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at Meter.com and get 10% off any full-price item with the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout as well. Plus, for another few days until the 11th of March, you can be in with a chance of winning a trip to Marcus Borden's UK barbecue School in the heart of the Devon countryside with every purchase of an Ultimate Bundle. For more details and to be in with a chance to win, just visit meter.com and look for the Ultimate Bundle. That's it. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. And a big thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys.
3: Cheers. See you, fellas. Bye.